0: Thanks for listening to the Dakota Town Hall podcast, a political podcast focusing on Western South Dakota, brought to you by the Home Slice Media Group and Elevate Rapid City. City Council questions. Please introduce yourself and tell us what you are running for. Hi, my name is Vince Vidal. I'm running for City Council, Rapid City, Alderman Ward 1. And I've spent the last three years active on the city's Zoning Board of Adjustment and Planning Commission. After 20 years of serving in the United States Navy, traveling the world, and working with men, women from across the nation and our allied nations, uh, our family chose to settle here in Rapid City. I'm married with four children, five grandchildren. I bring a vast array, I should say vast array, I'm sorry, of work experiences including financing, journalism, marketing, sales, small businesses. Some of my experiences I gained here, right here in Rapid City during the past 25 years. I'm currently serving as the chief steward for the American Federation of Government Employees Local 2228 and working to solve management and labor relations. My past responsibilities have included being a Navy drug and alcohol program advisor and multi-term juror and foreman in our local courts so I've seen firsthand how our systems handling issues in these areas and how we try to resolve issues with drug alcohol abuse and people hanging on by a thread and may not know how or where to ask for help. My experience shows I can work with city employees and other leaders to form smart plans to enhance all our lives. Neighbors who have shared their concerns with me know we can build a better community and that responsibility falls on each of us. I promise to focus on everyone that needs me with dignity and respect. Those are just two affirmations I make daily. One of the questions was, what can the city do so that people can find affordable housing? It's a great question because it's something I just spent this morning on, uh, on the uh, Zoning Board of Adjustment and uh, Planning Commission. And we are still looking at it. We're, we're talking about a four-story building that may be going up on the Kansas City uh, street. And, and with that, uh, one of the questions we ask is that, are we sure we're going to be able to make those apartments affordable? And we hope so. And, <clears throat> excuse me, So we've been bringing developers, builders, and bankers and businesses together to get the growth where we need it. (laughs) One thing we are doing to adjust our current uh, is to adjust our current TIF and TID policies, tax incentive financing, tax incentive districts. Uh, To say the least, we've been generous in our TIF-TID policy here in Rapid City, South Dakota. We can improve, and we should, in this area. In addition to hardworking city staff, we hire long and short-term planners. We put together committees to see where TIFs, TIDs, could be used to build and keep affordable housing, and I want to continue these efforts to help everyone. So I always ask, what is affordable housing? One solution is to use the federal guidelines. The Housing and Urban Development HUD came up with a what is affordable. It's based on income. If our policies in this area stay consistent, the incentives we provide those developers, builders, and bankers should help us stay on track with affordable housing please understand that we have volunteer organizations that are working to help resolve these issues and they provide support and knowledge we need organizations and i'm just going to mention a couple like one heart and black hills council of local government i'll continue to work with them to keep our focus in this area i'm not a one heart expert i don't know everything about it we, and but i experienced firsthand a simulation at the western dakota technical institute and it brought home why we need to focus ourselves in this area. And, and let me just talk about it for a minute. In this simulation, I got to be a homeless person for a day and the challenges I had to go through to make it through the day. Now that only lasted a few hours and by the end of the few hours I was tired and I it, it presented it made me humble. And uh, it it made me realize more and more that we can do something by coordinating businesses and and the needs of this community in in a central location so that we don't have them traveling throughout the city uh, or area to get what they need. The city can support developers who bring forth proposals for mixed home developments, allowing for people of varying incomes to live together. The city can also support alternative solutions like mother-in-law additions to the homes. It's very important. Another question was, what more can the city do to help its residents with mental health and addiction needs? Now, first, I'd like to say that the question for some puts mental health and addiction in the same category. That conflates in some minds as one and the same. It's not. For example, not too long ago, the issue was mainly something we expected our law enforcement and first responders to fix on a daily basis. It was exacerbated by Regional West closing down their facility, and this was not a solution. In the past year or so, we have the County Care Campus. It's just a beginning to break the cycle in some parts of our community, and we need to continue. Care Campus and One Heart are the kind of solutions we need it can help break down the perceptions that anyone in these conditions are hopeless and one in the same. This again is not true. Now, however, I do believe that we also need to improve our efforts to help anyone with chronic conditions. You know, those unwilling to accept treatment or programming, it's hard to understand why someone would wanna go out in the middle of the night on a freezing night and self-medicate, but with compassion, and enough success stories, we can make a difference. And I wanna be part of that. An example of how COVID-19 has put our city in a reaction mode to help some of these folks in that specific community. We set up a shelter in the Civic Center. That requires constant supervision and money. Sure, it costs, but what's needed right now, it is what's needed right now. And we're all going through this pandemic together. The city also needs to continue to work with Monument Health to make sure the short-term solutions are available to those in, in mental health crisis. More beds need to be available on a regular basis. A coordinated plan needs to be maintained between the city and Monument Health and Suzanne Hospital so those in mental health crisis have the support that they need now. Another question, do you think the city should go to from Dillon's rule to home rule, and what do you see the advantages of each? Now, I understand recently we've had more than 50 local applicants who wanted to serve on a committee to review this specific issue. I believe that there was about 15 selected and accepted to provide their experiences to review it for us. I would defer any final decision until I can get a chance at looking at their perspectives. Basically, if we know what is best for the city, say something like how to spend, reallocate, or dismiss monies from the vision plan, it gives us more local control. That could be to our advantage. If we want to do something, or rather like... Let me give you an example then, like what happened with vision funds. Uh, We wanted to do something different with the vision funds, then we had to put it to a public vote. And when we did, it came out that the public wanted exactly what what the council was trying to do. That could have saved money, time and effort. In some issues, this made sense. And it is logical, but uh, we could be forced, those citywide votes again could cost us money and time and effort. Now, that money specifically this year could have been spent for the 2020 budget overrun due to COVID-19. Well, with either rule, we will be limited because we can't do anything that is prohibited by law, by state law or federal laws. Uh, some think going to home rule should uh, reduce the size of the city council, maybe hire a full-time city manager, someone that could provide more continuity for us. Well, I'll say that since 1995, since I've been here, I have heard the suggestion of a city manager over and over again, and sometimes it didn't go over very well, and other times it did. So this committee that's getting together to study these rules I think will give us some advantage on what we do in the future. Question four is what changes should the city do to cover the expected uh, shortfall in the revenues due to COVID-19? Now my immediate my immediate thoughts is uh, well let's see where we can do some cuts. Not because cuts seem the easy way but because um, it's where we may find the most benefit. And then some people will argue, well, if we do do those cuts, maybe that program wasn't necessary anyway. Well, that's not necessarily true either. Uh, we, we do try to plan for the future and that's important. Now. One of the things that happened recently is the mayor and the city. Uh, the mayor came forward, and he presented a uh, his his budget cuts and where he thought he should do the budget cuts. And he presented it to the city council, and the city council seemed to agree. Now. Again, I, I would look at those cuts and say yes, this is the right approach. The, his plan is in depth, and I'm sure it's available on the city website if you'd like to see how he handled that six point cent million dollar budget cut for the 2020 shortfalls due to COVID 19. His step was a or his presentation was a step by step process, I should say, starting with the department heads deliberating with the council, and then coming up with those cuts. One unpopular cut that night was. The pools, our city pools, he, we weren't going to open those because it's a huge savings. Most people probably think, well, the the users of these pools are paying for it because they go ahead and uh, provide a entrance and they buy the uh, refreshments that are available at those pools. But that's not the bulk of the cost. The bulk of the cost comes from you and me, the taxpayers. You know, it may be a rite of passage that will be missed this year, but this year we have to rethink everything for COVID-19. One thing I hold essential is our fire and police force. However, our chief of police came forward and made clear that his force cuts will, will not affect the service that we're going to get today and tomorrow. Also, our fire chief made a decision to retire early so we can continue some of those services we need and less funds will be cut there. Now, When I hear about the billion-plus dollars the federal government is giving to our state for COVID-19 issues, I would like to see hazardous duty paid to those first responders. What criteria or measurements do you think the city should use to allow freer business environment or to reestablish restrictions because of COVID-19? Now, I brought with me today the Rapid City's plan to ease restrictions. It's laid out. It's pretty clear. I'm not going to go over it because it could take, you know, it could take a while. But again, it's available on the city's website. So if you want to look at it, it's available. Um, It's presented us with with challenges today and in the future. So some of those decisions we make today may help us decide what we will do in the future because COVID-19 looks like it's going to be around for a while. We we are, well, as part of the city council, I will be responsible to knowing the thoughts and concerns of my ward and all the wards throughout the city. I'll work hand in hand with their representatives and see what we can accomplish together. I'll listen, reflect, and listen again. Well, those decisions, again, are important, and I know that, and I want you to know that I'm concerned about your needs. The current guidelines for opening business right now, again, see the website Um, and Let me make something clear about the current Rapid City plan to ease those restrictions and the and who it affects. It only affects about eight percent of our businesses. We open up quite a bit of those right now, the restaurants and others, and we hope to continue to review and advise the people and and get advice from the people who work in these uh, businesses to see where we need to go next. And I value those business owners' opinion as well as yours. In this current business environment, do you think there should be any changes to the plans for the mixed-use facility uh, for this corner of 5th Street and St. Joe? You know, it's probably time that we, we break the cycle of what's been called the Jinx Corner. And for those of you who may not realize it, you know, there's been several projects planned there. And when I got here in 1995, when I look around at uh, the mood of downtown, it's not what you see today. I remember that vision was bleak back then. Uh, Some felt that uh, downtown would dry up and people wouldn't return to Rapid City. Well, there have been volunteer organizations over the years that have held fast that we should make it a travel destination if we would just cooperate. I remember a sign on Highway 90 uh, coming into the city uh, from the from the east It was advising people to, uh, heading west to get off at Elkvale Road so that they can get to Mount Rushmore and the Black Hills adventures well. I, I remember a businessman telling me that he presumed the intent was to encourage bypassing Rapid City altogether. Now, that may have been true, but we eventually came together. Those signs, you won't see those anymore. Um, it's it, We have to work not just with the city, but with our neighbors in surrounding cities, Box Elder, for example. And... I thought the uh, plan, um, you know, and again, I'm happy to see those uh, organizations like Destination Rapid City and the Chamber of Commerce, they offered to step up. And remain consistent, and I can't let them down for that vision of where we should be as a travel destination. I thought the plan for the mixed-use facility at 5th and St. Joe was a good one with businesses, residential, and the much-needed space for parking all in one place. And this is the type of uh, building that we need to build to continue our progress and a smart plan for downtown Rapid City. Again, something I did on the Zoning Board of Adjustment and uh, the Planning Commission was to approve a project that's going to take place on Kansas City Street, and uh, it will provide just that. It will provide businesses, it'll provide parking, it'll provide uh, residential areas. Now, and also... It's going to be in, uh, the, the, build, the way the building looks, uh, the facade, and both sides of the building or all four sides, I should say, But uh, and, and what they present to people that drive up and down Kansas and St. Joe. So cities have used this kind of model to revitalize and have successful downtowns, and this type of building on 5th and St. Joe will encourage a younger gemogra- uh, demographic to live downtown, and it's the right kind of growth at this time. Uh, I think efforts in this area are on the verge of a breakthrough for both private and government cooperation that will benefit us. Also, please understand that there's the ideal and then what's practical, and I believe we need to get to that basic parking issues settled. I can't do this alone, and I'll work diligently with everyone to get there. What are your one or two priorities you would like to accomplish during your time on the city council? I wish there were only two <laughs> and, uh, and as I pointed out in other parts of this interview the work is ongoing and I'm willing to work hard I'm willing to be there for you <laughs> however since I was only asked to give two my goal is for smart growth and creating and improving our infrastructure we need to choose our projects carefully including how we spend any vision dollars to be forward-thinking, and we must find a way to attract businesses that help to grow our economy and gain tax revenue for growth and opportunity. At the same time, we need to give those businesses reasonable incentives to pay our citizens higher wages and benefits. I not only want to be part of 1-1, and I want to be part of the decision for the entire city, the decision-making, I should say, for the entire city, I have the best intentions for our city and will work to make sure our current infrastructure is taken care of and our roads are properly maintained. I have lived here for more than 25 years and this is my home and my family's home. I want to be on the council because I care about our city in the future. This is my agenda. And what do you bring to the city council as far as experience and special uh, skills to make this a better place to live? I think I mentioned some of those at the beginning. Um, you know, my, my first paycheck was from a small business owner. I was 16. Uh, my 20 years in the military experience helps me focus on staying prepared to wage and win war on any front at any time. Service alone has taught me, and as my captain on that aircraft carrier would say while we were out on patrol, we must sit high in the saddle with head on a swivel, always preparing for what what, what will be next. I'm also offering my experience gained here in Rapid City during the past decades working among our neighbors in finance, journalism, marketing, and in small businesses. Also, I have spent the past three years active as one of the commissioners on the Rapid City Zoning Board of Adjustment and Planning Commission. Well, there we were active in the progress of our city, working with one another, city staff, developers, contractors, subject matter experts, and neighbors. Neighbors, there's been a few neighbors that have come forward with uh, projects to improve their home, and they had to ask for variances. These were carefully studied. They were their opinions, their thoughts, their concern. Uh, you know, I was in one situation. I remember I was able to get uh, then our neighbor to come up with Plan B that was effective for both him and. Kept, kept him within the city's uh, ordinances. Now, I want to keep Rapid City moving forward. Please know that this position for me is not about power. I'm about progress. Help me move our city in the right direction. Please vote for Vince Vidal for city council. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dakota Town Hall podcast, a political podcast focusing on Western South Dakota. Brought to you by the Home Slice Media Group and Elevate Rapid City.